Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. I'll say it as I've said it for so many weeks, for so many years. It's been another wild week. Uh, I wish they'd stop, though. It's getting tiring just following the news, just following Donald Trump's escapades. And let me put it this way, the fires he is starting all over the world. This man, everything he touches is a fire. We've got a little fire in the Ukraine. We've got a little fire in Syria. We've got a little fire here. We've got a little fire there. You know, after a while, these little fires, uh, they join together. They become a conflagration. Uh, And if they keep joining together, then you're going to have an inferno. Don't forget, you've got to bring into this group of countries where there could be problems, Japan, China, North Korea, South Korea, India, Pakistan, besides all the countries in the Middle East and ourselves. Uh, It's not healthy. It's not wise. And a better president, a president who had a good mind, who could think, uh, who wasn't a flaming asshole with all due respect. I've got to say it that way. I apologize for the language, my friends. But he scares the hell out of me. Okay, so let's talk first about Syria. Uh, He did a wonderful job there. It was, what, a little more than two weeks ago, he had a telephone call on a Sunday night with Erdogan, the president of Turkey. And he says, we're getting out. Everybody will be out in 24 hours, American troops, a thousand of them. You do whatever you want. Well, where are we today? That today, 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 early this morning, our time, Turkey time, though, in uh, just in Russia over the border, uh, Putin and Erdogan met. They had a conference, and they decided that the two of them, Russia and Turkey, would now take over the border, the border that's at issue in Syria where the Kurds were and a few still are staying, and that Russia would definitely get a certain part of it, and together they would guide removing the Kurds and everything else. We just turned around. No, Donald Trump turned around and gave away control of that portion. Not only that portion of Syria, that portion of the world. We were the boss. We were the leaders. People were on our asses in certain countries, but we were the boss. Now we're no longer the boss. Russia, Putin, he's so smart, I can't tell you, this man is brilliant. He's put himself in the number one position over there. He's now going to control the Middle East, not us. Now, let's talk about what Donald did uh, with the troops. He says we're going to have them all out the next day. Well, it turns out he didn't get them all out. Four or five days later, uh, he said, well, well, I got 50 out. <laughs> A few days ago, he says, well, I got 28 out. 48 hours ago, because of what's happening, they had to get, we had to get our asses out of there. So the American troops are leaving, and they're going to Iraq. And supposedly, they were all, yesterday we were told they were all going to be out to Iraq. And today we hear that we're still going to leave, in a certain part of Syria, 150 to 200 to help the Kurds. Well, this ain't going to go over with Russia and Turkey. They want us out. They made their deal assuming we were going to be out. And bullets may fly. Don't kid yourself. Uh, 
in the meantime, he's leaving some troops there. We're going into, oh, by the way, as the Kurds that have been leaving left, all right? And right now over 300,000 have been displaced. I don't know how many have been killed. They execute people on the side of roads. They tie them up and then shoot them in the head. This goes on constantly all day while they're moving around. It's the way of the world there. This goes for civilians and soldiers. They don't care. ISIS is coming out of prison, 11,000 of them. And they're going to get involved in the area, too. Do you think they're going to love us? They hate us. Anyhow, as we're leaving today, early today, and this has been on television all day, as we were leaving, you have to assume the Kurdish people are very upset with us because we were their friends. They were our friends. For five years, they helped us. And we helped them get rid of the uh, the bad guys over there that were fighting the Kurds, uh, the Syrians, <laughs> okay, to start with, etc. But now we've deserted them. And what were quiet communities after five years, people have nowhere to go. They have no clothes to put on. They have no food to eat. People are being injured, nowhere to get care, proper care. Buildings are down. Uh, they're afraid they're going to get killed. Uh, they have no way of even moving out of the country except by foot. And what do you think they're saying to their American friends? Because we were very tight with the Kurds, and the Kurds were very tight with us. Together, we drove ISIS out of Syria. No question about it. And they're back now. And there's, you know what they're saying? As the trucks are going by and the soldiers are mar- walking by, they're saying, no, America. They're saying, America, liar. I'm, I'm using their words, the way they've been translated. America, liar. And someone said in an interview today, a woman who has no place to go, she has nothing but the clothes on her back and her two little children. She says the Americans are, and I quote, like rats running away. Like rats running away. We are the United States of America. We've always been, in my whole lifetime, We've always been held up. Uh, People respected us. We're not getting respect from our friends, and we're not getting respect from anybody since Trump took over. We've alienated the Europeans. Uh, We've alienated Mexico. We've alienated uh, Canada. We alienate everybody. This guy doesn't know what he's doing. Wake up, those of you who still support him, who constantly support him. He is destroying this country, and... Before it's over, he's going to destroy not just my life, your life too, you who support him so much, because he doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about anybody. He doesn't care about this country. He cares about himself. And the problem is he doesn't know what he's doing. The man is totally ignorant. He is ignorant. Think about what I'm saying. He doesn't know what he's doing. And this Syrian thing is a perfect example. And what he tried to do with the Ukraine, which is all over the news now, uh, is important too. Uh, you recall that today this fellow, with, what was his name, Taylor, Bob Taylor, uh, testified uh, before a congressional committee for nine hours, committees for nine hours. Turns out this guy's been the best witness yet. He kept, he's a diplomat, a West Point grad, uh, Afghanistan, Vietnam, uh, career diplomat, straight arrow. Uh, neither Republican nor Democrat, no one knows what he's registered as. If anything, career diplomat. 
highly respected, kept notes of every meeting for years. That's that's what he does. A lot of these people keep notes, you notice. Notes of every meeting, every telephone call in detail. And he he was there. He said, Trump said that, you know, it's uh, quid pro quo without that terminology. But we ain't giving that almost $400 million to the Ukraine unless they begin the investigation. They announced they're investigating Biden and his son. And they announced uh, the 2016 election with the D.C. I don't even know what the hell that's about. Uh, I mean, Trump today was the worst. Trump is impeachable just on what's been developed over the last two weeks. That alone will impeach him. He's gone. He's yesterday's news. He'll be there because I don't think the Republicans in the Senate, enough, you need about 20 Republican votes to impeach him. He can be charged with impeachment, but he will not be convicted because the Senate, those in the Senate don't have the brass testicles, male or female, excuse the way I put it, to do the job and throw this bum out. He's ruining the country. He's ruining our lives. He's ruining your lives. He's ruining your children's lives. He's ruining your grandchildren's lives. Okay, having said all that, <laughs> let me move on to Frank Bruni. Frank Bruni is a well-known, respected, worldwide columnist for the New York Times. Pulitzer Prize winner, all that kind of stuff. And uh, this, he was... He wrote this recently in the past few days about the GS7 meeting uh, at Trump-owned Miami, the Doral Miami Golf Club. And that's where Trump says, I'm going to have the G7 meeting there. And everybody said, this is stupid. You can't do it. Uh, You're making money off of it. You own it. It's it's anti-constitutional to do these things. You're not supposed to gain financially when you're president of the United States. Makes sense to me. Absolutely makes sense. Anyhow, what Bruni wrote about was the day before Trump announced that he was no longer going to have it there because of all the clamor that was going on. The United States will find another place. But here's what Bruni had to say the day before uh, let's say Trump withdrew the Doral uh, from being the place for the G7 meeting next year. Bruni said, and listen to his words because they ring true, he said about Trump, quote, he planned, conveying of the, he planned convening of the G7 at the Trump National Doral, Miami, a gesture of such perverse defiance, perverse defiance, Such profound contempt, such profound contempt that it takes the breath away. Can you imagine that? And he also said, watch these words closely, Trump believes the preaching, okay, the preaching is his, the presidency, I'm sorry, the presidency is his to use and abuse as he wants. The presidency is his to use and abuse as he wants, and that's what he's doing with it. Uh, I don't know. If this was a father-son relationship or parent-son relationship, child relationship, and yet you had a child who was as bad as Trump is being and doing as president, he'd get his ass walloped. Yes, you would wallop his ass for this, and you would punish him properly so they wouldn't do these things anymore. We can't do that to the President of the United States, though. But we can throw him out of office, which we should do. 
Okay, let me tell you. Let me talk about Jimmy Carter for a minute. Uh, probably, I've got to say this respectfully, the worst president in my lifetime. Uh, he, he just he got into jams he couldn't extricate us from. I think world events worked against him, and many other people who might have been president in this time would have had a hard time. But the fact remains, he wasn't the greatest president. He's been the greatest ex-president in the history of our nation. I mean, he's 90 years old, I think. I just turned 90, and he, he, he's out there building homes for the poor. Uh, he works, you know, several days a week. Uh, he keeps busy. He speaks his mind. He doesn't care. He speaks his mind if something's going on. And the world, not only the United States, has come to respect him. Well, he's 90 years old. And I understand as I'm speaking about him now, I'm 84 years old. I'm close in his age. And I suffer many of the things he does. He has fallen three times in the last two weeks. I fall all the time. He has fallen three times in the last two weeks. Uh, the second time he fell a few days ago, you saw, you've seen his picture on TV. I mean, he's got the black eye of all black eyes, and it covers half of his face on one side, the poor guy. He fell again yesterday. He fractured his pelvis this time. Why do we fall? Seven years ago, I started falling. They sent me to physiotherapy. I did six months of physiotherapy. It was absolutely terrific. Got to tell you, they teach you how to walk again. I know it, 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 in my late 70s, I had to learn how to walk again, but as we get older, we have to. And they also taught me to look and see where I'm putting my feet down, especially when I'm dealing with stairs or curves. All of a sudden, this past year, I'm starting to fall again. I was good for six or seven years. Now I'm falling again. And this is a different kind of fall. I'm walking along, I fall. I'm falling backwards generally. I know this sounds stupid, but I'm walking and I fall backwards. Now, this is a problem. Last week, I fell. I banged my head on the concrete. My head, the back of my head bounced twice. I was in the hospital. I had to have an MRI in my head because they're worried. Or a CAT scan, I forget which one it was. I've had so many of these tests in the last few years. They're worried about a... I'm on, uh, blood thinner. Most old people are in blood thinners, and you bleed easily. And if you bleed when you bleed when you break your head, you bleed within your skull, not without your skull, especially if you haven't cracked it. So they've got to do the scan to see if you've got a slow bleed. Because if you've got a slow bleed and you don't go in there and take care of it, drill a hole in the scalp, you're going to be dead in three days. Okay, so I did that. I was okay, fortunately. But how long is this going to keep up? When am I going to break my pelvis? I'm worried about breaking my hip. Uh, forget my head, but I fall. I don't know why I fall. Now I have a cane. There's a purpose in what I'm sharing with you right now. I've had a cane. My daughter bought me a cane two months ago. The doctors have told me to use a cane. I'm ashamed to use a cane. I'll be perfectly frank. I'm 84 years old. I consider the cane a concession to old age. I know I'm old. I act young, though. Look, I talk on the show. I write a blog. 70,000 people subscribe to my blog. Uh, I'm all over the place. I'm odd. I'm active. And uh, the cane, I just don't like it. It's a concession to old age. I've been using it around the house. I must admit, it does help. So I'll be using it more. It does help, though, sincerely, without any question. We've got to spend some money as a nation. And look into why seniors fall. Nobody, they know how to treat it, but they don't know why we're falling. Got me? Everybody falls that gets old, but nobody knows why we fall. 
I mean, I talked to my primary care physician. He doesn't understand why. Could be this, could be that. Uh, it's scary. And we're not paying any attention to this. We should because of all the senior citizens who fall every day. It's costing your insurance companies and the medical business a hell of a lot of money to take care of us. Let's figure out why we fall so we don't fall and we don't place our bodies in further danger. That's my Jimmy uh, Carter uh, story for today. Let me talk to you, stay in the medical business here for a moment. I live in Monroe County. Key West is part of Monroe County. Monroe County covers the Florida Keys. Uh, To the south, Key West. To the north, just a little bit beyond Key Largo, about 120, 25 miles, is the length of Monroe County. Now, here in Key West, you know, we're in another world. Uh, the biggest city near us is Miami. We're, we are in another world. I mean, once you leave Miami, folks, there ain't nothing till you get to Key West. Civilization ends in between. Oh, there are communities, many of them, and they got some nice bars on the water and restaurants. But there's nothing. There's no life. There's no people doing things. Uh, they go fishing, they go to bed early. This is the only live town. There's only life in Key West once you go south of Miami. Uh, now, we have a hospital here. It's good-sized. It may not be the best. It's not the worst. But they can take care of the routine things, tonsils, appendicitis. I mean, I, I lost my appendix down here. And 25% of my colon because it was an emergency surgery, which they screwed up, but that's another story. Uh, So if someone has a serious heart attack, uh, someone gets in an accident and they've got a fractured skull or they're serious bone injuries, they may die. We've got to get them out of here into the big hospitals in Miami. Now it's a minimum four-hour drive to the Miami hospitals from Key West. How the hell are you going to do it? Well, years ago... Monroe County decided Key West should have a helicopter. We call it Trauma Star here. And we bought a used helicopter and fixed it up to take the serious injured from the Key West Hospital to a Miami big hospital. And it's less than a one-hour flight. It is a saving flight. Well, then we went to a second because Key West grew and more people in this area. And so we've had for a couple of years now Two helicopters. These are beautiful. These are big. These are like hospitals. We don't do it secondhand for this kind of stuff. Well, it was just announced that this week uh, our third acquired. We we now have three helicopters in operation. We buy them used and we fix them up. This is a Sikorsky uh, S76C plus one, whatever that means. It's a 2001 helicopter. Uh, bought it from somebody in Sweden for $1.2 million. Had to configure it to make it ready to take the sick. So we've got a total investment in Monroe County of $2.4 million in the plane. Uh, it'll be used full-time as the other two are. These planes also come our assist. If you know, you're know you 50 miles up on US-1 and uh, you're in a serious automobile accident, and US-1 is known for serious automobile accident, the helicopter goes right to the accident scene, puts down on the highway, puts your body in it, and flies it to Miami. There's no screwing around, take an ambulance 50 miles back to Key West or so forth. These, these helicopters have been a great assistance. Now, why am I telling you this story? Because some things are done very well down there, and some things aren't. 
If you are a resident of Monroe County, if you live anywhere from Key West to Key Largo, and you have need of that helicopter for medical reasons, there is no charge to a resident. Now, these things cost ten or $15,000 for a trip up to Miami. Uh, that's one way. And not many people have insurance to cover this. Uh, I had to go through it once many years ago, and it cost me like $15,000, okay? Uh, and if I didn't have a, an American Express card that could handle it, I probably would have died in the Key West Hospital. Anyhow, uh, we... Uh, it works. It works for us. It's very good that the residents are taken care of. Non-residents have to to pay. Uh, general, and what's interesting, too, is the helicopter business, if you want to call it that, that the county runs, is a moneymaker. Because even though the residents don't have to pay, and it's generally residents who are shipped up to Miami, the non-residents, many have insurance. And the insurance, which is big money, is paying big taps to the hospital. The hospital makes a profit on the helicopters every year. Isn't that amazing? But the key thing and the reason for the story is this is a good thing government has done, and it's free to the residents here to save our asses if we're seriously injured or sick. Which now brings me to the housing boom in this country. You heard the term before, housing boom? Well, let me tell you, there ain't no housing boom anymore. It's been reported this past week uh, that the housing boom is gone. And why is this? And you can tell. And that's because rising home values, you know how the cost of housing has been going up and up and up the past few years? I mean, it's ridiculous. We have houses down there. You wouldn't believe how expensive they are. I can't believe it. Uh, what was $500,000 three or four years ago is a million five today. And people are buying this stuff. I, I, I don't understand it, but they're buying it in Key West, nowhere else, apparently. Uh, and people aren't buying homes. Whatever the value is, whatever the price is set today, people aren't buying homes across the country. Uh, the prices are going to have to go down because the people aren't buying. It's, uh, you know, supply and demand. Uh, and the reason is because people are not earning enough money to buy houses today at the cost they are. And this is true. We know, what has it been, 10, 15 years, 20 years, they say in some instances, people really haven't gotten a raise when you look at the value of a dollar then and today it's the same. So they can't afford these houses that are so exorbitant. And, and they're renting. And the renters, they paid a lot for their, who owned those houses, they paid a lot for them, and they shove it to the people who are renting high rental prices. Uh, it seems like the only place in the, in the United States where housing is still worth money is down here. Uh, and the people who are buying in Key West are not the people who live here. There are people looking for second homes. And we've got a new breed of consumer here. We have investors who come down here and buy two, three, four, five houses at a time. Fix them up and put them on the market, you know, at twice what they paid for them or triple what they paid for them, I exaggerate not, uh, to make a dollar. Uh, and all this is very strange because our mortgage rates, the cost of money has never been so cheap in this country, and yet the people aren't taking advantage of it. So, my friends, there's no housing boom. If you believe it, read it. Don't believe it. Uh, and this could be an indication maybe we're going to have a recession. It's not a big indication. It's generally one, though, and something could happen because of this or it can go in combination with something else within the next two years. 
Uh, now we move on to this is a very this is a wonderful story I'm going to share with you. This touches your heart. A girl was born in Poland, in Norwich, Poland, three years ago, named Victoria Nomad, three years old, born in Norwich, Poland. Uh, she was born with her legs backwards. They weren't facing front. They were put onto her body and facing backwards. You can't walk if they're backwards. They can't train you to use your legs and your feet if they're facing backwards. All right? And the usual procedure is to amputate right away and start preparing the baby to use prosthetics. All right? That's the way it's done. Well, and the technical term for this is bilateral tibial I'm not pronouncing the last word correctly, but it's a congenital deformity which results in deformed legs and missing bones. The parents didn't want to have their daughter amputated if they didn't have to, so they went to work. They started searching on the computer. They made telephone calls. They looked all over the world. Did anybody know how to take care of this? No one knows how to take care of this, except they found a surgeon in Florida who looked over all her test results and paperwork. He talked with people on the Internet, and he said, I think I can reconstruct at least one of her legs, uh, and we can do some other things, and that's all I can tell you. The problem was the cost was $235,000, hospital, doctors, medication. This is a long-term thing, too, by the way. And in any event, they raised the money, the parents. These were charitable contributions from people. And they flew their daughter to the Paley Institute in West Palm Beach, Dr. Dror, D-R-O-R, Paley. He's the man who said, I think I can take care of it. And he confirmed when he examined the girl that the left leg could be fixed. And the right leg, she couldn't fix it, but it could be fitted with a prosthetic device that because she had one good leg, she would be able to use the leg that went only backwards forward now. What you couldn't do with two, you could do with one. And they did the surgery. She was in the hospital quite a while. By the time she got out, this three-year-old recently, she could walk. She could run. There was a problem. She wouldn't do it in front of her mother and father. She would not walk or run in front of her mother and father. The day they let her out of the hospital, the mother was walking with her from the door of the hospital to the car. Her daughter looked up to her and said, and I quote, Mommy, can I show you something? Mommy, can I show you something? And the little girl walked, ran, and laughed all around the parking area. Isn't this a wonderful thing that she, this could be done for her? That there were people all over the world who, who gave the $235,000 expecting nothing in return. That there was a doctor who thought he could put his talents to work and accomplish such a unique result. And it's just a good story. And it's nice to have good stories to talk about. And that brings me to politics. Oh, oh we're back into that. It wasn't bad tonight. I didn't talk about Trump much. 
I want to talk, you think politics are rough now and they're tough and they're no good and everybody's rotten. We're going back to the presidential election in this country of 1796. Politics in 1796. Thomas Jefferson's running against John Adams for president of the United States. Everyone I'm going to talk about were founding fathers, 1776. We read about them in the history books. They're in our heroes. But they fought each other. They didn't get along either. They weren't Republicans and Democrats, but they they fought because we didn't have those parties back then. Anyhow, John Adams had already done one term, four years, and he was running for re-election. He did beat Jefferson in the election. Now, at the time, there was a prominent national newspaper called the Gazette of the United States. And they had columnists who wrote for the paper, and they had guest columnists like we have. They didn't call the columns columns back in those days. They were called essays. These columns that are written today are called essays. And all of a sudden, a writer by the name of Foshin, P-H-O-C-I-O-N, started writing uh, a series of uh, essays uh, against uh, Thomas Jefferson, and he attacked him on the grounds that he was having sexual relations with uh, one of his indentured servants, Sally Hemings. She was a mulatto, and turns out she was also uh, the half-sister of Jefferson's deceased wife. Uh, and he had children with her, and this was his concubine. And he did 25 essays on this during the campaign. You know who Phocian was? This was a phony name he used. Phocian was Alexander Hamilton, it turned out. See how the, all these guys who fought for our country to establish it fought each other afterwards? So politics was rotten back then. That is my show for tonight. Uh, this is Louis Patron signing off. I'm signing off from Key West, Florida. It is a paradise. Believe me, my friends, I hope someday you can come down here and enjoy this community. It's a wonderful place. Have a good week. I look forward to being with you again next week.